I greet you all in the wonderful name of Jesus and I would like to welcome you to this broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I believe you're going to be touched and impacted by God's unconditional love. Hallelujah. All those web members, there's been members for quite some time, I want to just thank you for your faithful support just in just listening to this and just the word that you have concerning this message of grace. Thank you for that. You know, it's so good to know that there is just some faithful people watching this. And to all those that are Watching this for the very first time, I would like to welcome you and I want you just to relax and receive this message of God's unconditional love. We are not here to burden you, we are here to give you a message of grace, a message of love. You might ask me today, Betty, but why are you sitting in your motorbike racing suit? Um, you know, I want to dress well for church, so I got dressed in the most expensive suit I've got in my cupboard. Amen. That's it. So, uh, Let's open the Bible in Acts chapter 15, and we're going to read, okay, let me explain this thing. I see you are wondering why I'm sitting in this. That's simple, you know, I've, I've just been riding motorcycles and uh, with some of my friends, and we came back, and I must make this pre-recording, and uh, so I thought, man, let's just go and sit here, it will be something different. That's just the way it is. Amen. So, uh, I think this is maybe one of the most in-fashion suits I've got. Right, uh, Acts chapter 15, verse, let's go to verse, uh, yeah, let me just give a little bit of background here, and for those of you that view for the first time, I just want to explain to you how this web church works. It's very simple, I'm going to, uh, if you want to read and more about membership and how to become part of this and everything, I mean, there's a whole page that you can go on the web and just look into it. But just uh, our service, I will just share five to ten minutes, a little bit of, out of the scriptures. Then we have worship, and then I get into the into the word and share the message for the day. Amen. That is it. And then afterwards, we've got a Skype meeting. Um, unfortunately, I will not be in the meeting uh, today, but um, th- there will be a Skype meeting. So for those guys that want to do that, if you want to know more about that, just check on the web. Uh, everything is on the page there. Right. Um, we looking into Acts chapter 15. And the context of Acts chapter 15 is about Paul that went and he preached to the Gentiles and there was a thing that the apostles, some of the people preached amongst the Gentiles and said, you know, you don't have to keep the customs of Moses, you don't have to be circumcised, you don't have to obey the law in order to be righteous before God. So they wanted to take the whole law system that the Jews had and they wanted to implement that um, in the lives of the Gentiles and then there was disputes about this and they came to Jerusalem and they spoke to the um, the chief apostles or the main peanuts in the packet and they just uh, shared and wanted to hear from the disciples that walked with Jesus what do they say and thank God that um, God gave a vision to Peter beforehand and uh, if you read the book of Acts about um, that he also brings salvation to the Gentiles and they received the Holy Spirit uh, as the apostles did, that were circumcised and everything without the circumcision, the Gentiles received, received the Holy Spirit. They were baptized because of the acceptance of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. Then they wanted to come, then there was uh, uh, people that went and preached and said, but you need to keep to the customs of Moses because out of those customs and out of those prophetic words, everything was prophesied about Jesus, so surely you must keep to that. Now that was the whole thing. And let's just hear what this law was to the Gentiles and and, and, and how they were burdened by this. 
Uh, let's read uh, verse 5. It says, But then rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to be circumcised uh, uh, and to, for to, be circum- to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So, they wanted them to be circumcised and to keep the law of Moses. So, there was circumcision and then there was the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for, to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and then he said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made a choice amongst us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So then he explained that they believed without even obeying any law and then they received the Lord Jesus. Um, then verse 11, But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. So what he's saying was that they received salvation free from the keeping of the law just by the grace of God. And then he said in the same way we believe that we will, as Jews, now I'm not a Jew but the Jews, that they would receive salvation free from the law but just by grace. Um, and, and then they had this whole reasoning and then it comes to verse, 20, 20, uh, verse 19 which is what they really say about this. Wherefore, my sentence is this. Now, this is what James says. That we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So, what he says is, let's not trouble them. So, if somebody gets saved, what you do by the law, once you've received Jesus as your Savior, and then you come under commandments and rules on how to please God and customs and all those type of things like you must go to church on a Sunday, you must pray an hour a day, you must fast, you must be committed, you must this, you must that. Otherwise, you, because they are commandments of God, you must tithe, sow and reap and all those type of things. You know, if you go into that, you, you, are just, you will just be troubled because that's what happens. So, today, we don't, uh, uh, in the church today, it's not a matter of being circumcised or not. Today we've got other ways, other laws that the church puts upon people, commandments that we put upon people that, that, that's taught out of the church. But all that does is it troubles people. Now, you might say badly, but how will we get holiness into our lives? The only way you're going to get holiness into your life is by the finished work of Jesus Christ, by what He's done for you. That's the only way. Amen. Believing it, receiving the Holy Spirit, and once the Holy Spirit indwells you, you'll find holiness coming into your life. Okay, now it says in verse 21, For Moses of old time had in every city them... Okay, now, if, let, let's read verse 20 and just look into that a bit. But that we write unto them that they should abstain from um, pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood, which were also some of the customs of Moses. But let's see why they wrote this. It says... For Moses of old time has in every city them that preach him, Moses, being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day. So, they said here there were certain things that they should abstain from, which was part of the law of Moses. Now, the reason was because there were so many Jews um, and and people that, that, that were reading Moses. They were preaching Moses. They weren't preaching Jesus Christ in the synagogue. They were preaching Moses. It says, for Moses of old time has in every city them that preach him. So Moses has got people that preaches Moses. Which is what? Which is uh, uh, all the rules and regulations like circumcision and all that type of things. But then he says, let's take circumcision out of it because those that, that's going to be offended because they, the Gentiles are not going to be circumcised, they must deal with it in their own hearts. But at least these guys can get away from the things 
uh, that's polluted to idols, and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood, which were all part of the Mosaic law. So, why did he give that? It says, because there are many of those Jews in the cities, and it was just for peace sake. That's the only reason. That's really the only reason. Because you can go and read what Paul says further on. He says, listen man, if you eat something that comes from an, uh, 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 that's been sacrificed to an, to an idol, man, eat it. If you thank God, it's holy. Which was contrary to what they said here. But which was inspired by the Holy Spirit in the writings of Paul. So, the context of this was not as, well, at least that, that part of the law was kept, but uh, um, had to be kept. But what was, what, what was, all about was that these Jewish people, like the church today, you know, they've got three basic sins, and that is drinking, smoking, and adultery, and, you know, sexual immorality. That's the three basic sins in church today. And these were the basic things that I think they majored on the most, was idols, fornication, things strangled, and from animals who has not, you know, they still got blood in them, or to drink blood and eat blood, they were against that. A lot, I mean, it was big in their time. So just for peace sake in the church, there's not fightings everywhere. You know, that's, then he said, let's say this. this is, let me read, read this again, verse 20 and 21. But that we write unto them, that they abstain from pollution of idols, and from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses of old time has in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day, then pleased the apostles and the elders and uh, with the whole church to send chosen men unto... So then they sent people out. So the reason was only because of the others that were uh, in the synagogue. So it was just for peace for the Gentiles which lived amongst the Jews or the Jews who actually lived in the towns of the Gentiles. Okay, verse 28. Listen to this. Uh, I, I don't want to... Verse 24, sorry. For as much... Now, this is what they wrote in the letter. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us... Now, this is the church people, the Pharisees. The, they wrote a letter to the Gentiles. And this was what was in the letter. It says, For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. So what I was saying is, listen man, the message of you must be circumcised and keep the law, this whole keeping the law thing, being part of rules and traditions and Jewish traditions and all of that, what is that actually? That is to trouble people with words, subverting their souls, saying these things. You know? so, and then it says, we never gave commandment of these things ever. There's no place once where a commandment has been given that people need to keep the Ten Commandments or the law in any way. Except here, where it says you should abstain from these things. And the purpose why that was given as a law was simply because of peace. Say, we must do it this way. Because the Gentiles would have eaten uh, uh, blood and they would have, you know, some of them would have been in fornication, all those type of things. But they trusted, and this is what I believe, the power of the Holy Spirit more than a law. The power of the Holy Spirit will get somebody clean and righteous and holy and all of that. Amen. Hallelujah. So we in Dynamic Web Church don't want to trouble you with laws and regulations and rules and all those type of things. We want you to rest in the unconditional love of God. Amen. Well, we're going to go over to worship and I would like you just to enjoy this worship. I enjoy these songs. You know, Elise made it for us. 
she's back in Canada at the moment. Uh, and man, you know, it's just like in the office, there's, there's just an empty space now where she used to be. And she did a wonderful job here. She's going to come back on the 5th of October. Um, but I just believe it was a good thing for her to go to Canada and everything. But she made this. And I just believe it's anointed. It's blessed. Not just the music, but just the way in which it was made as well. So just enjoy the worship and just receive that which God gives us in this worship. Not because we worship, but because we get conscious through music and singing of what He's done for us. Enjoy this. Listen to a thousand tongues But there is one That sounds above them all The Father's song The Father's love You sung it over me And for eternity It's written on my heart Heaven's perfect melody The Creator's symphony You are singing over me The Father's song Heaven's perfect mystery The King of love has sent for me now you're singing over me the Father's song. I have heard so many songs, listened to a thousand tongues, but there is one that sounds above them all, sounds above them all. Father's song, the Father's love You sung it over me And for eternity It's written on my heart Heaven's perfect melody The Creator's symphony singing over me the Father's song Heaven's perfect mystery the King of love has sent for me and now you're singing over me the Father's song Singing over me 
letters to the sky. Well, bless God. Thank God for worship. Thank God for music. And that we could just sing the praises of God. And worship Him for who He is. Meditating on the finished book of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, before we get into the word, I would just like to touch on something in um, concerning uh, finances. And I want to go to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. And, um, you know, at the end of the introduction part, I, before the worship, I, I was just thinking of this while I was talking in my mind, and I just thought, let me just touch on this and just help you and, 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 and just share with you the freedom that there is in Jesus Christ. Now, what happened in Genesis 14, Genesis 14 speaks about um, the whole thing about the king of Sodom that went out and, and spoke to to Abraham and, and, and Melchizedek that came out and blessed him after the slaughter of, I think it is Sidlaoma or somebody like that. Yes, and, and, um, he, and this whole blessing thing and then takes tithing from there and say that we need a tithe in order to be blessed. Now, let me tell you something. We are not blessed because we tithe. We are blessed because of God. We are blessed because of Jesus Christ. And we are not partakers of the covenant of blessing financially because of, um, the, 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 because of our tithe and all of that. But we partake us because of faith. The Bible says by faith we've got access into this grace. The Bible says by grace we have been saved through faith. The Bible clearly says that we have been made rich by the grace of God. So it's not by what we do. It is by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. By how much He loved us and by what He's done for us. And by us believing that, having access into that. And you know another thing that I've seen in the New Testament, apart from financial prosperity, one of the great things that has been given to us as a gift is uh, contentment, long-suffering, you know, all those type of things. So that if it should not go well financially, that we can also be blessed. If it should happen, that we are persecuted, going through hard times, our houses are taken away, our, we're being murdered for the, for the spreading of the gospel, all those type of things, that we can have long-suffering and all those type of things. And let me, man, we, that's what God gave us. So, I don't say that we must suffer and we must not have. What I'm saying is that, yes, God gave us prosperity, but we must also look into the whole thing. What about contentment? You know, as a church, I believe one of the greatest things that we can have that will set us free from any temptation that could come from Satan concerning finances is uh, to be content, to be happy with what you have. Amen. If you've got more than clothes and a place to say and food, I mean, happy. Say, thank you, my God. You've been caring for me. Having your mind on what you do have and not on what you don't have. To me, the definition of prosperity is a consciousness of what you've got and not a consciousness of what you don't have. So, uh, you know, the whole thing is not to see how much money we can get. Yes, God gives to us and God blesses us. You know, like with my son, the vision that he has in our house is not to see how much he can eat every day, how much, he, how much money he can get out of his father and how he can use us to, uh, to, to, to use his, his right as a son to get as much as what he can out of us. That's not the way it is. He rests his mind in the fact that I'm the father and that I know his needs and that I 
I will bless him accordingly and he can trust me. He can come and share his needs with me and I'm a father and I know what's good for him and I'll bless him accordingly. And that's it. You know, he can come and say, you know, Dad, I would like to have this or that or whatever. Can you buy it for me? And then I will decide and I'll buy it for him. And uh, he can come and say, I've got all these needs. And then I will say, man, thank you, Lord, that I love my son and that I can, I want to give everything to him. You know, and he might come right now and say, man, I need a motorbike, or I need this, or I need a car, or I want an aeroplane. You know, there's certain things that I will give to him that I know is good for him. And, you know, if we know and understand the unconditional love of God, if we know that God cares for us, that's the only place when you will be able to say, God, I rest my mind. I come and I just sit back and I rest my mind that you've got only good in store for me. So I don't have to go and try and advise you this and that and whatever. I spoke to a friend of mine just before I went riding motorbike with a motorbike and, and um, he just asked me some advice and stuff. And I said to him, you know what? We should get our minds away from trying to believe for stuff but believing in someone. Um, for me, it's not like, you know, oh God, you know, I need this type of camera and I need this type of a studio and whatever. Lord, I just want a studio where I can in good quality just record your word. I don't care what type of camera I have. I don't care what type of lights I've got. I don't care what type of soundproofing. That doesn't matter. As long as what the, the room is soundproof, that's fine. Amen. Because I don't find my identity in what I drive and what I have and all those. I find my identity in what God has done for me. Hallelujah. Amen. If, 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 if we should measure holiness by what people possess, then Paul was definitely the least of the whole church concerning the, uh, because, of what he's, because of his financial condition. Because he had to work with his hands. That's just the way it is. So, yes, I don't want to come and, and uh, confuse you and say, you know, don't mention your needs before God. No, the Bible says with prayer and supplication, make your needs known to God. So, yes, go and talk to God about it. But don't add this whole thing, you know, I'm believing now for this one thing and now God's going to bless me with this one thing. And Then you don't get that thing, but you get something else. Or after six months you realize you didn't even need that. You know, it was just a little want and um, it was just all over. I mean, God can also supply that. But um, now you were, Lord, I need this holiday and I filled in this competition and now you're going to bless me and I'm going to get this and whatever, oh Lord, I want to go on this, now you don't get that holiday, but you get a, some, some other blessing, now you say, oh, why didn't I get that, you become sin conscious, you become works conscious, what have I done wrong, that I don't receive this, and blah, 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 and all that whole condemnation thing is just over you again, now what I want to say is, no, God wants to give you the best, make you, just have a normal relationship with God, like a son will have with his father. That's it. Just go and chat what you like, what you don't like. Just normal chat. Talk to God. Read the Word. Just have a normal friendship relationship with God. That's all that it's about. A friendship relationship with God. Amen. Right. Now, what happened here was um, the king of Sodom went out to meet Abraham after his return from the slaughter of Cedar Laomer and of the kings that were with him and the, in the valley of Sheva, or Shaveh, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. So, here was Melchizedek, he was the king of Salem, 
which is the first time we hear of Jerusalem, because that's where the word Jerusalem comes from. He was, uh, he was called, it was called uh, um, Salem, which the word Jerusalem comes from, okay, so, which means peace. So, Jerusalem actually means peace. And he was the high priest, or he was the priest of the Most High God of Jerusalem. Now, many people come and say Melchizedek was Jesus incarnated into human flesh. Now, I don't believe that. Um, there is a, there's a saying that, or there's a scripture in Hebrews that says that he's got no descendants, no genealogy, or all those type of things. It's, now, the context there, it hasn't been written down. We don't know, you know, where he comes from. There, there, there was no, it was not written down. But I believe this was a, the king of Salem. And th- those times there were priests, people that stood before God and prayed and all of that. Just like Abraham prayed to God, there were priests that prayed to God. And there was sacrifice of animals. There was many things that existed long before the law. The sacrifice of animals didn't, didn't come with the law. It came long before the law. But then it was placed under the law and fulfilled so that we don't need that anymore. In the same way, tithing was something that happened before the law. Long before the law. It was even an outflow of gratitude. Um, I mean, and then it became part of the law. As something you must do to be blessed. And then it was fulfilled that it has never, you never have to do that as a sacrifice to get blessing towards you. Never. Now, Abraham, and the first, this is the first mention of tithing in the Bible, um, is, is Abraham here. And he comes and he gives a tithe to Melchizedek. Why? And how did he give a tithe? And I want to just have you to have a look at the king of Sodom here and the king or the, uh, the high priest Melchizedek. Is Melchizedek king of Salem brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham for the Most High God, uh, of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he, Abraham, gave him tithes of all. So what happened here? Here was uh, Abraham, he came back after the slaughter of Sidelahomer, he came, uh, slaughtered the kings, got every, everything back that was stolen from them, uh, also the things that were stolen from the king of Sodom, he won that back for him. So it actually was now Abraham's stuff. Then, now listen to this, the king of, or the high priest came to him and said, I've got a word for you, Abraham. Blessed are you, O Abraham, of the Most High God. And blessed the Most High God who has given these enemies over into your hand. And he served him with bread and wine. Now, if we take that into the New Testament, what it was actually saying, you are blessed in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You are blessed. You, and the victory you have has been given to you by God. And that victory in the context here was financial possessions. I mean, he went and he defeated the other kings and got all their stuff. So, there was financial prosperity also in this whole blessing that was declared. And then came the king of Sodom. Listen to this. Oh, then he gave him a tithe. He says, I bless you. Now, the way it worked then was, I mean, those priests, they just worked for God. That's all they did. And he was the priest of Jerusalem. And he was a priest of God. And he just blessed the priest. Because he, he gave this wonderful word to him. That's what happened. There was no commandment, you shall tithe now. It was an outflow of the heart he gave 10%. And he decided on that because there's nowhere anything mentioned of 10% anywhere. Many people say, you know, that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents the tithe. 
Now, well, I do believe that to a certain degree because it is good and it's evil. You know, um, it, it is something that, you, that God says, don't partake of that. You know, don't partake of this whole tithing thing. If you want to call it a tithe, yes, do it, you know, but don't, don't partake, partake of that. You know, God's got, if you want to call it tree of knowledge of good and evil, a tithe, don't partake on tithing. Um, in the sense of tithe to be blessed. Don't do that, you know. So, um, there's many people that even go that far, but that is just absurd. There's no scripture base for that. That is just not biblical. Right, um, let's, let's continue and see what happens here. It says, um, And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. So what the king of... Uh, um, and, and that was actually... He had a lot of stuff, but he said, Just give me the people, because, I mean, their wives, children, people were stolen, taken from them. He says, Just give my people back, but keep the stuff for yourself. So be rich, but just give me something. You know? And, and what did he say? He said, I've lifted up my hand unto the Lord... The, uh, the Lord the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from, that I will not take from a thread even to thy shoelaces, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. So what he actually saying, the one guy said, listen, I bless you with everything. You are blessed of God. Everything you've got is because God gave it to you. The other one said, listen, I'll make you rich. You know, take my stuff, you know, but just give me a little bit. Just give me the people. The one said, give me something. The other one says, you don't have to give me anything. You are blessed of God. The one acknowledges the blessing of God. The other one wants something. And then he can keep the rest. So, what he was saying was, I'm not going to let you have the glory to say, I've made Abraham rich because all my stuff is now Abraham's. Now, so many times that the whole tithing, sowing, reaping thing falls to me in the category of the attitude of the king of Sodom. So listen, all the stuff you've got, it was actually, it was mine, but now it's yours, you've won it in battle, but now I want something back. Man, that is just the way it is, and we should not listen to the voice of the king of Sodom. Now the king of Sodom was, you know, you get Sodom and Gomorrah, it was an evil place. That idea is evil, to say, listen, God gives me something, I must give something back, otherwise, um, I'm cursed. Now, let me tell you something. I am not going to pay tithes and sow uh, to get... I'm not going to do it so that I will not say that I've made myself rich by working principles. But I will receive from God all the blessings that there is in Jesus Christ, including finances, as a gift by Jesus. And then, out of gratitude, I will do whatever's in my heart. Amen. There's no commandment, nothing connected to that. Nowhere do I see God ever saying to Abraham, you must give me anything. He just said, listen, I want to bless you. Go here. Go there. I want to bless you. But nowhere is it mentioned, Abraham, give me this, give me that, give me that, then I will bless you. Nowhere. There's one place, and it speaks of prophetically of Jesus Christ was sacrificed, where he said, go and slaughter your son. But he never gave his son. Never. Just in his heart. He said, okay, I will do it. But he never slaughtered his son. So, even if you want to take that, you can't even take that tithing. It speaks of God sacrificing his son for us. You know, so, yes, amen. That is just the good news. I just want you to know that. Don't get into any bondage, man. Don't get into anything that is full of rules and regulations that's just going to, 
kill you and bring despair and everything that's not nice. Right, let's go to um, Romans. We're busy studying the book of Romans a little bit. Just three chapters of the book of Romans. Um, Romans chapter 6. We've been in Romans chapter 6 and uh, I'm just going to touch on one or two things of Romans chapter 6 and what we said basically in the last session was it says in verse 1 What shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should walk in newness of life. So how do we walk in newness of life? By being buried with Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ died, who died? And we said that it was the man under the law that died. And we can go and read that in, in chapter 7. Let's go to chapter 7 verse 1. So listen to this. Jesus Christ was born a man under the law. And when he died, the man under the law died. And, and Jesus was the representative of us. It was... That's why it's so important to know that Jesus was the Son of Man. It was, he was the Son of God, the Son of Man. That means He was born of God. God that became a human being. And God obeyed on behalf of all the humans, all the laws and rules and regulations that there could ever be, which was much higher than what, than what was written down by Moses. It was a billion times in depth more higher, more difficult, troublesome law to obey, to be like God. And Jesus Christ came, the Son of Man, the Son of God, came and He obeyed that on behalf of man. Amen. And when Jesus died, thank God that He died, because He died as a man under the law. And when He was raised, He was not raised under the law. He was raised by the glory of God. He was raised by the Holy Spirit. So the life that Jesus has in Him was not because of the law. The life that He lived, He didn't live out of His own efforts to be holy through laws and commandments and rules. No. He, the life that He lived was because life indwelled Him in every part of His fiber, every part of His being. The glory of God, the Holy Spirit indwelled Him in everything. So He was not born under the law to obey the law. He, he was born under the law, died as a man under the law, and then He was raised up by the Holy Spirit, so that He could become a quickening Spirit. So, Jesus is not a law. He is a quickening Spirit. What Jesus is, is He is somebody that quickens our being to be like God, and that's where holiness and, and all those type of things flow from. Amen. Now, let's go and read that in Romans chapter 7 from verse 1. Now ye, uh, know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. Or the law of husband. She's been loosed from that. Okay, so verse 3. So then, if... While her husband lives, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no 
adulterous though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him whom is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, man, this is awesome. Hallelujah. This is just exactly what I have been telling you now for the last five minutes. Jesus Christ was a man. When He died, then we died with Him. Now, what He's saying here is, He says, shall we continue in sin? Shall we continue under the law? And then further on here in in, in verse 14, it says here, um, verse 15 actually, it says, what shall we say then? Shall... Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? The context there is, shall we see sin in our lives manifesting if we're not under the law but under grace? If I should take away all the laws that I could break to become a sinner, if I take that away will and, and just stand under grace, will I find sin just flourishing in my life? That's the question. Then he says, no, God forbids. God and His being that indwells you forbids sin to be in your life. It stops sin to be in your life. Remember what we said in the last session, the word forbid there means to stop or to cease to exist or not to bring forth or not to give birth to. So what it was actually saying is if we get rid of the law, if we get rid of this whole thing of by what I do I become and all of that, shall we still see sin in our lives? No. Because when we get under grace, what we are saying is the being of God starts to indwell us and that He will not give birth to sin in our lives. Now, what if we sin? If we sin, we've got an advocate with a father and that sin is in our lives because of simply unbelief in what Jesus Christ has done for us in that area of our lives. That's why if you sin, you need to get more into the message of grace so that sin can be stopped and forbidden by God and His nature in your life. Hallelujah. God, uh, you know, I just want to worship God. Father, thank you for this awesome truth. Thank you that you have given this to man. As I just preach this, I've just come again to just feel that feeling of, man, this is awesome. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Right, let's continue. Um, It says there, For the woman which has an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as what he lives. In other words, if um, Eliana is married to me, as long as what I'm alive, by the law, she's bound to me. Okay, that means she must be faithful to me. She can't go and get another husband. She can't even go and have an emotional relationship with anybody. I'm her husband. And the same with me. As long as what I'm married to Eliana, I am by the law bound to her. I cannot go and have another woman. It is, I will be breaking the law and by the law, I'll be called an adulterer and she will be called an adulteress. But if I die, the very thing that was not lawful, which was to get another husband, (laughs) is all of a sudden lawful. You can go and do it. Now, I'm not saying, and if you hear, listen, Bertie, you know, uh, 
you, uh, that, by that I'm saying you can go into, into adultery and it is not part of the law because the law has been fulfilled now. Now adultery is right. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what the scripture is saying. You've just heard wrong. It is, that has just been used as an example because the people of the old covenant and the old test, or the old covenant saw it as adultery. They were seeing it as fornication. And there's a language in the Bible where it speaks of fornication meaning that you are under the law, married to the law, but now you fornicate with freedom. And that's how they saw it. They saw it as fornication. You've got a, you've got a covenant with God through the law and now you go fornicating with other gods. Um, and other ways of reaching the holiness and righteousness by saying we're not under the law anymore. Now what he says is, if in the same way, by the body of Jesus Christ, when Jesus died, or we were married, let me put it this way, man was married to the law, the Jews were married to the law. But when God became a man under the law, and died as a man under the law, the law man, or the man that had a relationship with the law, or had a relationship with God through the law, he died. He is dead. And then, he was raised as a man that had the full being of God, not born under the law, but he was the first begotten, or the first born from the dead by the Holy Spirit, under no law or rule or regulation, but under the thing of, I've got the being of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, this is what he says. Listen. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law. Okay? I am not married to the law. By the body of Christ. Because Jesus died that death He died, and because I've died with Him, in Romans chapter 6, listen to this here, what does He say here? Uh, um, Know you not that so many as were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory or by the Spirit of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. I don't have a new life because I've decided now by my willpower, well, I'm going to leave my nonsense and I'm going to take up this commandment and I'm going to live now this commandment and have a holy life. No, I'm going to have a new life by Jesus Christ. Amen. And by His Holy Spirit that indwells me. Amen. I've got no relationship with God whatsoever to the law, for He died unto the law. He, by the body of Jesus, and because I've died to Him, I've become dead to the law. Jesus became dead to the law. Because when He died, how can a dead man be under the law? He's not under the law anymore. There's no rule and command but nothing. It is finished. He is now with God. There's no law. Because he's with God in a perfect state. So, in that perfect state, he was raised up into mortal. His mortal flesh was made new. He was immortal. He's the only immortal. Just remember that as well. He's the only immortal at this moment. And he stands before God, righteous and perfect with the very righteousness of God. 
And we that believe in Him, we were baptized. When we were baptized, that means when we committed ourselves fully to the message of grace and say we believe in Jesus and we're baptized, we were baptized into His death. And the baptism that He went through as man was the baptism of I die as a lawman and I'm raised as a man by the Holy Spirit of God And we were baptized into that so that we will not be under Moses anymore. But we will be under the unconditional mercy and grace of God that has made us like God. Hallelujah forevermore. Now, for a person that was under the law in the Old Testament to say, well, I'm not under the law anymore and I can just serve God free and just believe in hallelujah, whatever. You will be an adulterer for you married to the law. Amen. Hallelujah. And many people say that the Gentiles weren't under the law. The Gentiles weren't under the law of Moses. But they were under a law that existed from Adam. And I want you to know that. There was a law that existed from Adam. It was called the ministration of death. And that ministration of death was written and engraved on stones. And everybody that was under the law that was died. So yes, people were under the law. The Gentiles were also under the law. That law was written on their hearts. The Gentiles had the law written upon their hearts already. For how did they know? Uh, uh, how did they know how to live a holy life? Because the law was written. Go and read Romans chapter one, two, and three. You will go and see that there. Then that law that was already on the hearts of the Gentiles, which were already on the hearts of the Jewish people. Um, the descendants of Abraham, then was written down 430 years after uh, God made covenant with promise to Abraham on stones and given just to the Jewish people. Then God became a man, obeyed that law on behalf of all of man, because thank God was also written on the hearts of, of, of the Gentiles, because when, when Adam sinned, he imp- implemented the law system, the system that says, by what I do, I become, I'm not holy as a, as, a, as a man just in who I am, but I become holy through my works. He implemented that Jesus fulfilled all of that. It was even in written for me, fulfilled it and a higher law than the written one, so that whosoever believes is not married to the law anymore, but he is married and made one with Jesus Christ, righteous before God, and the new life that he has is by the Holy Spirit. Now, why is it so important to preach this um, as well? Why should we preach this message? Number one, that we can have a good relationship with God, and then according to verse 4, that's the reason why we preach this. It says in verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, you have also become dead to the law by the body of Christ, like I've explained, that you should be married to another. Okay? In other words, so now when I believe I am married to Jesus Christ, to him whom is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Okay, so how do we bring forth fruit unto God? When we are born of God, when we believe on Him, there is fruit unto God by us receiving the righteousness of God. For when you were, now listen to this, and all talks about holiness in the manifested, holiness manifesting in the lives of people. Verse 5, for when you were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law. Say these words with these words with me. It says the motions of sin which were by the law. Say by the law. Okay. The motions of sin is by the law. 
Okay? Then he says, I want to get you out from being married to the law, because being married to the law and commandments and rules, you have motions of sin in your life, and God doesn't want that sin in your life, but He knows that you are enslaved to that, and you cannot get free from that, for you are a slave of that sin, and a slave is somebody that doesn't just willingly go free. There's a payment for a slave that he had to pay in order to be free. And God came, and He became a man under the law, and when He died, He died unto the law, and I mean, He died unto sin, He died everything. He, He became a conqueror in dying in His resurrection. When He died and was resurrected, He conquered for us, so that we don't have to be part of the law. Why? So that we don't, we'll have fruit the fruit of the law in us, but that we will have the fruit of God, which is righteousness and holiness and a good, pure life in this world as well. Amen. And only by believing that, we will see that. But if you still cling to the law as some guideline or something like that, listen to me, you will still have that in your life. You will still have the fruit and the motions of sin in your life. That's why the more you find sin in your life, the harder you need to preach the grace of God. The grace of God, I'm not talking about the mercy of God, I'm talking about this thing now, the manifestation of new life because of belief in what God has done for us. Hallelujah. But you are now delivered from the law, that being dead wherein you were held, that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the law or the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Now people are saying, is the law sin? Is it sin to obey the Or not, not is it sin to obey the law? Is the law, the commandments that the law give, sin? Then he says, no, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust. That word lust, verse 7, um, is concupiscence. That word concupiscence, go and check it out in the Webster's Dictionary, it's an inordinate uh, uh, lust for sexual immorality type of thing. That's what it is. So Paul said, I didn't know sexual desire, um, an, an inordinate, wrong sexual desire, except when the law said, you shall not cover. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner, say all manner, of concupiscence, very bad sexual immorality, for without the law, sin was dead. So what is Paul saying here? He said, without the law, sin is dead. Man, (laughs) thank you my Father. Thank you my Father for the plan that you had in Jesus. I will not stand under the law. I don't want to be part of the preaching of the law. I don't want to be a law preacher. I'm scared of being under the law. I'm scared of it. I don't want to be under the law. Because it can rob us of the life of God and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, of holiness in our lives. It will rob you of your love for people. It will rob you of your, 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 um, of your free willing life that you just out of love care for people and give towards people. It will rob you of all those things. It will rob you of your generosity that's in your heart. It will rob you of really loving people. It will rob you. It will rob you of the very nature of God that He gave you. That will rob you because through the law is the consciousness of sin. Paul said it worked all manner of concupiscence. Man, concupiscence is a bad, bad sin. That's what it is. It's a very bad sin. 
Okay, Paul said, I didn't even know that. Except the law said that. It says, listen, listen to what he's trying to say. He said, <clears throat> we, we, we go back here. It says to verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him, who is raised from the dead, that you should bring forth fruit unto God. For when you were in the flesh, now what is in the flesh? What does in the flesh mean? That means under the law, being married to Jesus. I mean to the law, to Moses. When you are married to the law, that's what it calls being in the flesh. The motions of sin, which were by, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now the Bible says, the ministration of death. What was the ministration of death? The ministration of death was that which was written and engraved on stones, which was the law. Okay? It says when you were married to that, when you were one with that, it brought forth fruit unto death in your life. But now Jesus came so that you will be set free from that. So that you, by faith, could be married to Jesus, that you could have fruit unto God, and be set free from the concupiscence, murder, lying, stealing, bad fruit in your life. Now, let me tell you something. That is a very, very radical word of God, which caused people to become so angry that they killed Paul for this. That's why they killed him, because this was what he preached. Now listen to what he says. But what shall we say then? Is the law sin? The law is not sin. Is the law sin? The law is not sin. But to be under the law and seek justification through the law will produce a lot of sin in your life. And under the new covenant, that is a sin. Because it is your own righteousness. It's literally worshipping other gods. It is a false god before God, and that is you thinking that you can worship your own power by saying, well, by myself I'm going to do this. Now, we don't literally say, by myself I'm I'm going to do this, but what we say is, well, um, you know, yes, Jesus gave it all to us, but let's just make sure, you know. Now, listen, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law. So here, the law is holy, and it points out sin. That's what he says. For I had not known lust or concupiscence, except the Lord said, you shall not covet. That's the tenth commandment. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, which commandment? The tenth commandment. That's the one he used there, and, and, and you can use any other commandment as well. Wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. So sin takes occasion by the law. So if you want sin active in your life, get under the law. Wrote me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law. What law? The law of God. The Ten Commandments once. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So there was a time when Paul had sin in his life, when sin died, and then sin revived. And that was through the law. And the commandment which was ordained to life was found to be unto death. Man, that is powerful. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me. So the law is not bad. But it's very bad to be under the law. Okay. 
Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Was then that which was, which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might be, might appear sin working death in me by that which is good. In other words, what does he say? He says, does the law kill you? He says, no, the law doesn't kill me. But sin uses the law and sin kills me. So, is it bad to say, honor your father and your mother? Is it a sin to say, honor your father and your mother? No, it's not a sin. But if you're under a law that says, you must do it, otherwise God's not, God's gonna have something against you, let me tell you something, that's very bad. Because that will bring, um, the sin will use that commandment and work all manner of sin in your life and you will be destroyed. Right. That sin might become that sin by the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. The law is spiritual, but I am carnal. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But that which I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now that is simple, we don't even have to explain that. Verse 17, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. So what Paul was saying actually is, man, how can I want to do a good thing and then find I do a bad thing? That means there's something else that works in me. So if you want to do a good thing for God, get out under the thing that makes you, get out under the thing that makes sin make bad things manifest in your life to bring forth fruit unto death. That is it. Hallelujah. Now, if I do that which I do not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find in this law, that when I want to do good, evil is present with me. So, if you're under the law and you want to do the good thing, let me tell you something, a prophetic word, evil is going to be with you. You're going to find, for a while, you get it right, and then you're going to become... It's like, <laughs> my friend and I, we were listening to a guy on television, he was preaching and he said, um, he was now really judging the Muslims. Saying, you know, these Muslims, they're so bad, they're this, they're that, they're the Antichrist, they're that, whatever, you know. But he doesn't have mercy on them. But I knew this preacher when he was a sinner. Not saved. Mercy works for him to get him to the Lord. But now, condemnation and judgment must work for the Muslim to get to the Lord. It's not make, must not make sense. You see, the thing is, when he got saved, and then he got back under the law, now he's becoming a judge with evil thoughts. He's taking the place of God, judging people, doing a lot of wrong things. But it's not as wrong as what he thinks it is, because he thinks it's holy and right. It's like the, like, like the Pharisees in, 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 or, or in, in chapter, chapter 10, Romans 10, it says, My brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God is for, for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this way, Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into the heaven, that is to bring the Christ down from above. Or, who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring the Christ um, 
Christ again from the dead. But what does it say? The word is nigh thee, even in thy heart and in thy mouth. The word of faith which we preach. If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, according to what we've just explained, the raising from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be the righteousness of God. Amen. You shall enter into the righteousness of God that He provided by Jesus Christ. Now, that is it. You know, next, next um, we're going to just go a little bit more into Romans 8, part, end of part 7 and into 8 on next Sunday. But I want you to just go and read Romans 4, 5, 6, 3, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. It, it is awesome, man. It is the heartbeat of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So church, web church, viewers, um, first time viewers, visitors, whoever you are, listen to what the word of God says to you. Do you want to, are you really for holiness? Man, get out under the law. For sin uses that holy law to bring forth death into your life. But Bertie, the law is holy and it's, it's from God. Yeah, the law, God gave that, those ten commandments. God decided on those ten commandments, which was ten good things that God decided that you must now do. In, put it down in written form. Gave it to you. Is that sin? Is it sin to, not to steal? No, it's not sin not to steal. It's holy. But under that law, you will find the sin that is inside man. Jump up. You know? Yeah, that's it. You know, that's also a very good test to see is if you've got immortal flesh. It's a very good test. Put yourself under a uh, uh, hundred laws and see if you can keep it for a week. If you can't keep it, you're not immortal. Because then sin, is, sin which dwells in you has been activated. So... That's just the way it is. But you know what? In Jesus, there's no sin in Him. Hallelujah. So that's why when I'm in Christ, not under the law, I'm seen as sinless. For His seed dwells in me. And the manifestation of that sinless life is also there in our lives. Does that mean that I will never do something wrong? If you stand nowhere, nowhere in your life, under any law whatsoever, I'm sure you will have a very holy life. Amen. But I'm not going to say that you're not going to do anything wrong somewhere. Somewhere you're going to find something wrong because we are transformed by the renewal of our minds. So today you can have a, be in the good news, have your mind renewed in the good news. And next month you can, because we're in a spiritual war, we can be thinking along the lines of the law again and find irritation, frustration, all those type of things just start to work up in our lives again. So, what is, the, what is the thing that we do as Christians? We make sure that we count the system that says, by what I do, I become, that brings forth our own righteousness, dung. That's what we do. And we treat it as dung. We say that system. I'm not saying the law is, 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 is dirty. I'm saying that the, thinking that by the law, you're going to be saved and be righteous. You, you are busy with something that's unhe- unhealthy, dirty, and not right before God. That's the thing that was born into the mind of Satan. That's the thing that Adam bought into. And that's the thing that the, the devil wants to tempt you to be part of. And it will destroy your life. Amen. So church, let's go out and have holiness in our lives. Let's not have a life of of drunkenness and sexual immorality and all those type of things. Let's not have a life of hatred and bitterness and, and bad-mouthing all the time and, and, and uh, pride and all those things and sin and bad... Let's not go and have that life. 
let's have dished as a free gift to us a holy life through the mindset of what God has done for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you that you've joined us in this um, service. I believe that this blesses you, touches your heart, cleanses your mind, gives you peace above everything. Amen. Hallelujah. So, um, we are leaving for a conference, a safe harbor conference in Johannesburg uh, at 12 o'clock today, South African time. We'll be driving up and, and we will sleep over in Douglas people in Douglas and uh, old friends of ours that's really been good to us. We're going to sleep over there and then on Monday morning we'll head straight for Johannesburg and man, it's just going to be awesome. It's just good news preachers. It's Alan Spiegel. He's going to be the, the main speaker. He's, um, he's got a, a network called Safe Harbor Network of which I'm a part of and we'll go and look, look at that. Um, if you, you just go and do a search for Alan Spiegel, I think it's familybible.org or something like his website. Really great messages. If you want to go and hear another man that preaches the same as what I preach, go and listen to his website. Uh, or, or to his, his, read his website, listen to his messages that's on their website. That's just awesome. Thank you that you keep us in our prayers. Thank you that as you feel, just if you just think of us and you think of we driving or whatever and you just say, thank you my God, back in Ileana, safe. Um, our children say, just that's what we do. We think of you and uh, thank you, my God, that, that the people of this church is blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. People believe the grace of God. As, as your name comes, as your face comes to us, we pray for you. We just, you don't have to go, oh my God, I pray. Just thank you, my Lord, they are blessed. And just be sensitive in your heart. That's part of the work of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what I call uh, um, prayer, spirit, spiritual prayer. Amen. Do that. Pray for us as we also pray for you. And let's be a family in the message of God's unconditional love. Amen. Well, thank you that you've joined. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Listen to the rebroadcast. Well, I'm sorry, there will be no rebroadcast. There will be no rebroadcast. We've struggled with the rebroadcast. We've changed our system now. So there will be no rebroadcast. I'll make sure I put it on the website as well. Um, there will be no rebroadcast this Sunday. But um, next Sunday we're back. We'll be back on Thursday. So thank you. Pray for us. Download this. It will be uploaded already. Even... Um, I think by the time you watch this, it will already be uploaded because Vessel Net is going with. If you want to phone the office or anything, there will be nobody here. We all going away and just enjoying this conference. So thank you and God bless you.